Just before we get into this podcast, everyone at the HFC Hub would like to send their deepest condolences to the family of Exhill City manager Colin Appleton, who, in his first spell at the club, guided the Tigers out of Division 4. Obviously, we weren't around to see Colin's great side, but we do appreciate all the work that he did for the club, and he'll be sorely missed. Coming up, we've got a special interview with this man. Cuts back inside, still faces, shoots, keeper spurns it out, Stuart Green's there, scores! Oh, what a start! Stuart Green in the first minute! Welcome to episode number eight of the HFC Hub podcast. I'm your host, Bendit Ferriby, once again joined by Tom Griffin. And just like last week, we've got a special guest in this episode. Welcome to Stuart Green. Stuart, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, always enjoy talking about the old times at Hull. Um, so thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. Tom, you looking forward to this again? Yeah, it's great. Second, obviously, second week running, making it more of a recurrent thing. And it's great to have Stuart on, you know, it was... A big, large, you know, big part of the sort of um, upturn and performances from City between obviously like 2002, 2006, you know, the, the great times, you know, the club, club getting to the championship. So it's great to, um, you know, hear what Stuart thought of that period. So Stuart, um, what have you been doing then post-retirement? Obviously you retired quite an early age. So what have you been doing since you retired in 2008 or 2010? Yeah, I, ret- yeah. I retired kind of, um, I think it was late 20s, maybe 30-year-old. Um, I think I think I'd been away from home for that long. Um, and during that period, towards the end, I lost my mum. And, and and I just wanted, I, I just wanted a new life. Um, and, and my body wasn't doing what it used to do. Um, I couldn't kind of do the things I used to do in terms of my energy and my fitness. So I kind of finished early, um, and 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 had a year out to think of my next my next career move, um, and then I came up with kind of the idea of of teaching football and PE in in primary schools. Um, so I've been doing that ever since, really, and it's really enjoyable. Listen, it, it it's not it's not the the hustle and bustle of of every day playing football with your mates and and living your dream, but it's kind of the next best thing for me. Um, I teach these young kids, and they're they're all dreaming to be professional footballers, and they're all in their football kits, and um, and it's great really because I can pass on kind of what it, what it was like for me when I was a kid around this area, and kind of help them make make the right paths in their young lives, and and, and albeit not a lot of them are sport, um, but. But it's kind of really rewarding, and I and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's great that you've sort of transitioned to that. Um, obviously after retirement, it must be like rewarding to see kids improve, and um, obviously you're getting the best out of your career, and they're getting you know the best out of theirs. You know, learning from a, a former professional footballer. Yeah, it's 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 not easy when you finish. It's it's um it's not easy at all, um because all of a sudden you just you stop training. You, um, I, I went to part-time football, which was 
um, Tuesday, Thursday night games on Saturday, but I, I couldn't. I honestly couldn't hack it. I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't get myself ready for a five, four or five hour training session on a Tuesday and Thursday night. So I, I only done kind of a year of that. But it's not easy when you finish playing. Um, and and obviously I had a full year where I didn't really do anything, um, and it was tough. It, it 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 was really tough. And you've you've got to. Speaking to some of my mates, you've got to find a new, a new path if you like. If it's not going to be in football coaching and management, if it's not going to be in academy football, you have to find a new path, and you have to do that quickly. Otherwise, it can it can go it can kind of go into a, a bit of a downward spiral. So I'd done a year of that, um, and it was tough. And then and then all of a sudden, a really good friend of mine is a um, was a primary school head teacher, and he said. You know the government are really pushing um, financially into into school sport. You need to do it, so I've done it, and and I haven't looked back really. Um, and like I say, you know, kids, a kid today um, at my my holiday club um, said he'd seen a, a goal a goal reel of of my um, my whole city goals, and and he couldn't believe it. Um, but but it's great that they can look at me. Um, and see that someone from this area, because not many from this area, have went on to be, you know, a, a professional. We've had a few goalkeepers, but I can't remember the last outfield player, if you like, to do it. So it's it's good for the kids, and and I and I love it. I must be honest, I love it. Yeah, I think it's, it emphasises the importance of you know forward planning and, and realizing what you want to do after retirement. Like because, like you said, you can easily get stuck in a rut of not knowing what to do, and. Then, You've had that, you know, 10, 15 years where you've been training every day. You've you've had the focus of what you're doing and then suddenly it just, it goes. And I think it's underestimated sometimes in football um, how hard it is post-retirement and, you know, people talk about the money that footballers earn. But then obviously afterwards it's it's hard because, you know, you had that year where you won't do much, but now it's it's good that you're in, you've got yourself in some employment that you enjoy and obviously Absolutely. it's rewarding for yourself, so... And, you know, you touch on the money. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It's not nice because, like you say, I mean, I still I still go for a run now where I live locally and I'm I'm forcing myself to beat my time. And I'm like nearly 40-year-old and I need and I can't slow down because it's been instilled in me since I was 12-year-old. You've got to do this run at a certain time. You've got to, you know, and... And it's tough because I, I'm still a very, very rigid routine person. Um, you know, I do things at similar times in the day and I put that down to football. It's not a negative because I had a, I had a, you know, I met some incredible people and, and, and I had a decent career. Um, but like I say, you have to, you have to get your head right and you have to find a new path. Otherwise it, it can be tough, you know. Going on to your um, childhood, obviously you mentioned that you're teaching the the um, kids now. Was there a moment when you thought you'd make it into professional football? Well, I used to I used to BMX uh, race um, over the kind of jumps and stuff like that, and and I was quite good at that. But I, but I wanted to finish that. But I, I kind of think that gave me the the stamina. Um, to be a, to be a good runner, if you like, to prepare me for football, mm. and I always dreamed of being a footballer, but I never quite you never quite think that 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 you're going to make it. 
a lot of the time, if you do think you're going to make it, you fall short because you take your foot off the pedal. And this is what I say to to, to my young kids I teach now. Um, but I think as it got towards, I was kind of 12, um, 13 and 14 when the club started coming and, and and trying to persuade me to go to them, I thought this could be, this could be my my career if you like. But you, you've still got so so much to go. You've got to go through schoolboy football, then you've got to play well at the right times when people are watching. And I managed to do that. Um, and then I got my contract at Newcastle as a kid, and I chose Newcastle over quite a few clubs because. I just loved it when I went over there. I went over there first for a kind of trial to have a look around and I didn't want to go anywhere else because I loved it there. I loved what they'd done. I loved everything about the place and the club. So I I didn't go anywhere else and kind of let them down, if you like. Um, but then it's a whole new chapter because you go in as an apprentice and there's like 30 of you, 30 apprentices and only maybe two or three get kept on. So it's it's like a ladder you keep going up the ladder and you've got to keep improving. Every year you have to improve because if you don't improve, you'll just get left behind. And I was, I, I managed to do that. I managed to improve and play well at the right times. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Was, was there any um, similar, well, like well-known players that were in the same age group as you coming through at Newcastle? Yeah, we had a, we had a brilliant youth team. We had the kind of, um, Caldwell, Stephen Caldwell mm. and Gary Caldwell. We had James Coppinger, who was a really good friend of mine. Um, and um, we, we were all in the same team. Mark Boyd went on to play Carlisle, Port Vale and things like that. Um, Shola Ramiobi. Um, we had a very, very good youth team. Um, and it was hard to get into that youth team. And And not only did we have a good team, we had incredible coaches. We had kind of John Carver who started it off and then we had Alan Irvine mm. and Alan Irvine's now at West Ham and he is an absolute sensational coach manager no but as a coach he's absolutely out of this world and I owe a lot to him um, and he kind of nurtured us through our youth cup experience where we got to the semi-final I think it was and we stuck together for for a couple of years and then the good ones out of that myself the Coldwells Amiobi and Coppinger we we then moved on to the reserve team um, where a whole different ball game because we had to try and get into the reserve team and at Newcastle it's not well it wasn't easy then it might <laughs> yeah, be now, yeah. but it wasn't easy then but we done it we got into the team and, and then we all went our separate ways from there but um you know, there were some great players. When I was an apprentice at Newcastle, I was just a kid from Whitehaven, Cumbria, but there was internationals from Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Wales, Scotland, Finland. We had an Australian goalkeeper international. They were coming from all over the world, and I was just a young kid from Whitehaven. I, you know, it was mental, really, and I, and I thought I'm going to have to up my game, and and I, and I did. I'm I'm quite happy, proud, really, that I had. It was up against me early. But but I managed to do it, you know, but it was hard work. You've named some brilliant players there. Was there any sort of players in your youth system that didn't make it when you thought perhaps they would? Lots. And and to be honest with you, there's some real sad stories with that. Newcastle, the surrounding areas can be quite deprived and we had some real, real talented lads and, and they went down the 
the wrong path really you, you know you get to choose a path do you stick in a football or do you go out with your mates and do things you shouldn't do and one or two done that and it was really really sad for one or two one of them you know an incredible young player but at night time when when we were kind of in our hotel and you know chilling out and eating our eating the right food he was going out with his mates and um you know we had we had internationals who they came with massive reputations on big contracts and they couldn't get in England internationals and they couldn't get in our youth team because it was that strong um and it, and it's quite sad really it, it's quite sad some of the stories um you know and 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 they were good friends and and whatnot but some of us made it and 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 some of us went on to do good things you know I think that shows a sacrifice you have to make sometimes to become a footballer and uh, you know, you have to. It's underestimated, like how much of your life you can miss out on just to achieve the dream. And sometimes people don't make it. But um, yeah, it's just like testament to show that you've made a lot of sacrifices to get where you was. And obviously, hard work um, beats talent when talent don't work hard. Is that I, the saying that some people use? I didn't. Um, I didn't have a life before I moved to Newcastle. I. I wasn't. My my dad was quite strict. Um, it was kind of at home. Um, if anyone rang, I didn't live there. It was mental. My dad was just totally focused on getting me to where I was, and and to and it worked. And and the sacrifices I made in my childhood, um, regarding, you know, friends and and whatnot, it was incredible. Um, but sometimes, you know, you've got to find a balance. And mine was probably too far. Um, but it worked for me, and and would I change it? No, I wouldn't change it. No, for the for for playing in front of, you know, the stadiums and playing with the players I did, I wouldn't change it. No. So obviously, when you were at um, Newcastle, they had um, Bobby Robson as manager. You've touched on the briefly the um, coaches in the youth team that um, helped nurture. Did he ever give you any advice whilst you were an apprentice about your career going forward? He he came in when when I was a. Uh, first year pro um so he he didn't do my apprentice but he was he was probably the best out of I was lucky because I, I went there when Keegan was there and then he went and Dalglish came in and them two were both brilliant and then Rude Hullock came in now Rude Hullock kind of put me in the first team squad um as a as a 19 year old I think I was I was nowhere near ready but because he wanted to go with the youth he kind of pushed us and I was on good form in training. I was playing well in the reserves. So I was in the first team squad when there was top, top internationals in the reserves. It wasn't right, really. I wasn't ready. I was just a young kid. Um, it was probably a year, a year and a half before I came to Hull. So I, I, I kind of wasn't ready for it, but I was there. Um, and then Bobby Robson came in and brought all the older ones out of the reserves and back. So I, I suffered, if you like, because I was back in the reserve squad every week. But um, he was magnificent for all of our careers. He, the advice he used to give us, um, you know, and, and the help and guidance he, he gave throughout my early part of my career was absolutely incredible. And he cared so much. I mean, I was squad number 31. I was nowhere near the first team selection but he still cared so much about what I was doing, how I was training, what the life I was living. 
the clubs that came in for me on loan, he would say, you're not going because you won't play or I don't think you're ready for that level. Um, and and I, I didn't like it at the time, but looking back now, he didn't have to care about us. We have had managers who don't care about you when you don't play, but he really, really cared about our life and our career. Um, and it's no coincidence how, how he was a special man and he'd done what he'd done because his players absolutely idolised him. Yeah, that's. I think that's the key, isn't it? That you want your manager to care about you as a person, as you do as a footballer as well. And obviously, um, you had, you know, your career and best interests. And it's great to hear that, you know, it was such a, you know, big had a, such a big big impact on your career, as, you know, as a footballer. So, it's, um, the, so- it's, it's the same now. The best managers, the best managers in the world, are the managers who the players love playing for. It's yeah, yeah. never, it's never changed. You know, Pep Guardiola, the players love him, so they win games. You know, when we're, we're, at my time at Hull, we all absolutely loved Peter Taylor, so we won games. It, it's it's never ever changed. You, as a manager, it's it's ninety nine percent man management. That's what that's what it is. Yeah, I agree. I think because you just it's just a change in mentality. If you've got a personal connection with your players, then it's going to rub upon rub off on the pitch. And you see sometimes players not performing for the manager. And then you wonder why they get sacked, but ultimately it's for the best for the club. Absolutely, and 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 before I know we'll touch on this later on. Before Peter Taylor came in, Jan Morby was there, and I loved Jan Morby. He was the one that obviously brought me to Hull, and he was fabulous for me personally, and one or two of us. But there was about five, six, or seven that didn't like him because Jan Morby was only interested in kind of twelve to fourteen players. But but what he didn't realise is you need about twenty. So so he there was about five or six that didn't like him. Now when you've got five or six players that don't like you, that spreads in the dressing room and they're like a virus in that dressing room and they chip away at others. And that's what let let Jan down, you know. And Peter Taylor came in and 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 he grabbed hold of us and, and we loved we loved him as a coach and we loved him as a person, so we got results. It's, it's it's not rocket science, you know what I mean? Just just before you actually um, signed for City, you um, had a brief spell at Carlisle, and one of your games there was against City at Boothry Park. What was it like um, playing at Boothry Park as an opposition player? I've, I finished that game, and I rang my agent on the bus on the way home, and I said, can you call me in the morning? I want to go to Old City next year. <laughs> and no, I, honestly, and, and he said, he said, okay. So I spoke to him the day later and I said, how on earth is that club where they are? And to be honest with you, we, we, we played, I think it was nil-nil that night. Um, and Hull were awful. And, and we, were, we were obviously bottom of the league. So we had, we had players who couldn't kick the ball straight, really. Um, <laughs> and... And and we went there and drew nil nil. And I remember thinking, the fans, the ground, the atmosphere, and they've got like them players playing for them. What are they doing? So I, I told my agent I wanted to go on, and he kind of he kind of said, well, we'll put it on the back burner. You've got to keep playing well as you are, um, and then and then see how you go. And then I played a game a couple of weeks later, I think. And Jan Morby was at Kidderminster, but he was in the crowd. I think he was. I think he was a kid, and he was in the crowd at Carlisle. And I thought, I wonder why he's watching me. Um, and then my agent rang me up. He said, "Listen, Jan Morby's gone to Hull. They want you there on a 
on a season-long loan. And I said, just make it happen. Just make it happen and get me there. And, and it happened quite quickly. Um, I had to persuade, um, you know, Sir Bobby Robson to let me go because he didn't want to. He wanted to. He wanted me to go a little bit higher because I'd done the league. Well, I think it was Division Three then. I'd, I'd done a, a League Two there. I'd, I'd done that with Carlisle, and I'd proved myself at that level. He wanted me to go kind of League One or Championship, but I said I don't care who comes in. I want to go to Hull. And he said, okay, so I'll make it happen, but we want a callback. So I didn't even think about the callback. All I knew was I was going to Hull for a season-long loan and I was going down there to, to view some properties and it, it happened quite quickly, really. While you were at City, the club went on, a obviously, a large rise, you know, back-to-back promotions. Did you ever believe that when you joined that the club had the sort of infrastructure and the ambitions to get to that point? I, absolutely. I thought we would do it under Jan Mulby. I was young and... And, and kind of naive and looking back now I would have, if you'd have asked me then I would have probably said we didn't have a big enough squad or good enough quality in terms of our our defending um, but I thought we were doing under Yanmo I thought I was adamant that we were going to do it and move into the new stadium and kind of be in the top top two or three if you like um, but it didn't happen we, we weren't we just weren't good enough defensively we were scoring goals but we just weren't good enough and, and we needed somebody to come in to tighten us up a little bit and that's what happened. I think my dad mentioned about how BM um, Moldy played a shot to football but not necessarily the sort of football that's going to get you out of like League 2. Maybe it was perhaps a step too far. I remember my debut. It was South End at home. It was red hot, a proper, proper first game of the season and we were outstanding going forward but we drew 2-2. Two, two. And I remember getting in thinking, how's that happened? And we were finding ourselves in games under Jan where we were brilliant, but then we just conceded goals. We just weren't good enough. And I think, listen, I love Jan Morbid a bit, but I think he didn't concentrate enough defensively. And obviously Peter Taylor come in and went the complete opposite and got us so organised where we needed... We needed two absolute weapon strikers to score goals because at times we were too organised. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was a detriment to my game, but it had to happen. We had to get more organised to get results, and, and he did that really. Obviously, when you were brought in, you were brought in alongside the likes of Ian Ashby and Stuart Elliott. Could you see the qualities that would um, come to fruition later on in that season and throughout the next two or three years? Could you see them qualities straight away when they joined the club? I knew I knew straight away how good Ian Ashby was. Um, he, he, people underestimated how good he was on the ball. Um, you know, people think he was just a proper rock and a midfield, you know, a legend, if you like. But he was very, very good on the ball, hmm. um, especially in his younger years when he could move it move it quicker than he did when he was older. But but he was... Um, I knew then, I thought, how on earth have we got him on a free? Because um, yeah. he, he came on a free from Cambridge. But Jan had obviously done his homework and, and he obviously knew that Stuart Elliott would score goals. I think the biggest disappointment for Jan was kind of Greg Strong because Greg was his, I think Greg out of all of us was his main signing really. Um, He was his focal point at the back and Greg and big John Anderson didn't hit it off together. Um, 
and it was really tough for them. Um, but but that was I, I would say that was the one that kind of not let Jan down because he's a lovely lad, Greg, but it didn't work for him. Um, but Stuart Elliott, I, I knew he could score goals. Um, I just didn't realise how many he would actually get. Um, you, you know, I, I I thought he'll get he'll get us a lot of goals, but I didn't realise he'd get as many as he got. You know, in League One, if you like. Um, and he was, I mean, he used to score goals. I used to think, why are you shooting from there? And he'd just go in. Mm. <laughs> it was Where does he rank? Where does he rank on uh, the players you played with in terms of, you know, his all-round ability? Well, a- a- ability, and he won't mind me saying this, not great ability. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of his first touch, um, if you like, and, and he's technically, he wasn't brilliant, but in the air... And, oh, he's, he's... and his energy, his energy and his pace, and obviously his eye for a goal was the best in League Two and League One. Um, you know, but when people say to me, was he one of the best? No, because technically and, and, and you know, using his feet, no. He used to drive us around the bend. <laughs> but, but, but then he would just score a goal. Like, we would be playing and, and Ash would be like screaming at him. And and I would be saying to Ash, well, you know, we're gonna to have to liven him up. And and the next minute he would just score a goal and we'd be like, Oh well, we'd better get on with it then. You know what I mean? <laughs> just that sort of player that just can produce a motor of brilliance out of nowhere when he's not having his best game. He he would he would he would dribble towards the box and he'd be he'd have a guy in front of him and normally you like me as a as a wide player, I would try and take it past him and cross one, or I would kind of Try and play a one-two on the edge of the box. He just used to shoot, and it would go between somebody's legs or hit someone's ankle and go in the far corner. It was mental. How many goals <laughs> got put in that? But yeah. I, I don't want. I, he was absolutely outstanding in terms of his energy, his pace, um, and and he was fit. He, he wasn't injured a lot, and the goals he got, the goals he got for us were were absolutely outstanding. And and without him. We obviously wouldn't have got where we were. Would you say it was um, if he had the sort? Do you reckon people believed that he could have played in the Premier League, or was that probably a step too far? I think that was a step too far in terms of going back on on it on technically. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Premier League, you've probably got to have a bit more. Um, well, you've got to have a lot more. Um, and I don't think I don't think Stewart scored. A lot in the championship, if I'm right, did he not? Yeah, I don't think he scored that as much when we no. got promotion. So, like, so like I say, League One and League Two, incredible. Who were the biggest sort of characters? Would you say in the dressing room at that time? Um, characters in terms of what we needed, obviously the Ian Ashby's. Um, you know, at times I hated him playing with him because he'd get it. He, he would kind of want to kill me. If I wasn't helping out defensively, but yeah. in in terms of as a as a person um, to play with and to help us through, he's, he was a great man. Um, he's a great man, and and um, and he's he sticks out like a sore thumb. People like Mark Joseph, you know, Mark Joseph was a was a leader, if you like. He he had a good spell for us. He was he used to kind of get us going and. And, and know what to do. You know, I, I was I was really impressed with Mark Joseph. I think as we moved up, Mark struggled with the level. Um, 
but people like him, and then obviously Nicky Bambi come in and took us to another dimension, if you like. He um, he was um, he took us to the next level in terms of his professionalism, his know-how, um, and and he was terrific. Um, little people like Dean Keats, you know, Dean Keats, great kid. He had he come with lots of experience. He was a good player in the middle of the park with Ash, and we needed them two in there at times, you know. Um, but but we had such a big squad of characters. Pete, Peter Taylor assembled a big squad of real good lads, and and if you weren't a good and, and if you didn't get on with anyone, you were in trouble because we were all in it together, and that's why we won games. Obviously, in your um, first season at the club, we made the transition from Boothbury Park to the KC, and you played in the final game at Boothbury Park. What are your memories from from that occasion? Should have scored. I should have squared it to Stuart Elliott. I'll never. Yeah, I've, seen, I'll, I've seen that. To be fair, I'll never. It'll live with me forever. I, 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 I remember Ashby wanted to absolutely kill me in the dressing room at full time, because obviously we'd geared ourselves up for this last game, and there was like thousands there. And I, and Stuart Elliott said he was shouting at me to square it, but I couldn't hear him. And and genuinely, I couldn't. I was listen. I was probably always going to take the shot anyway. Um. But my memories of the last game were, were kind of disappointment because we were we were a nearly team. We we were a couple of players away from being a real good team. But I, I was I was sad leaving Boothbury Park because I absolutely loved it. I wasn't there long, but I absolutely loved it. The pitch, the atmosphere, and I was really, really sad to leave. Um it'll stick with me as one of the best grounds I've I've ever played at. Best pitch I've ever played at, and and you kind of, I remember when I used to run over to that far side. It kind of felt like the fans were your family. They kind of used to used to warm to me as I ran over, and it was like these guys are my family. It's unbelievable the way they treat me. Um, so I missed that when we went to the new stadium. I missed that connection. Don't get me wrong, the new stadium was incredible, but I missed the kind of connection. Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think me and Ben are quite jealous that um, we never got to get to get to Brewery Park because I'm like 21, so I was like oh, yeah. two or three at that point, and Ben was not. I don't think he even born. I, I was, I was, I was 11 days old when the last game happened. <laughs> Brewery Park was really special, really special, and and like I said, yes, everybody now, every club now moves on to 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 new stadiums, if you like. Um, I just wish we could have had a mixture of Boothbury Park and the KC, you know, the atmosphere, the atmosphere of Boothbury Park on a night game as well. Um, and bear in mind, we were in League Two and weren't very good at times, but the fans were the fans were better than what we were. Um, they were incredible. I think um, a lot of that, the um, fans touch on the last game, sort of summing up the club at that point, obviously building up the expectation for only for it to end in slight disappointment. But obviously, we moved to the KC Stadium. You scored in the first league game there after signing a new contract on the pitch. I can imagine that was one of the highlights of your career. It's interesting you say I signed a new contract on the pitch because I didn't because Peter Taylor wouldn't let me. Peter Taylor was, was going through. <laughs> Honestly, it was a phase where I was getting quite a lot of press, local press. And Pete didn't like it. Pete wanted the press spread out amongst the other players. Um, and and he rang me and he said, um, the chairman 
wants to wants you to sign the contract on the pitch before the game, but I'm not having it. And I said, why? And he said, no. He said, um, you can do it in the office um, and you can play the game as normal. He wanted some of the others to get some of the, the press that I was getting, if you like. Um, mm. And that's that was his kind of style of management. It wasn't my fault the press didn't want anything to do with some of the others. Um, but, yeah, so... I, but going back to the game, that was that was an incredible moment for me because... My mum was at the game, um, and and it was and I scored obviously, and I think we weren't far off a full house, um, and that was probably one of my best moments in a whole shirt, probably up there with the best really, um, scoring and 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 my special mum being there as well, um, and 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 being at Hull City, it was just a great night. That must have sort of signified the club was moving forward. Obviously, a packed house. You know, there's not many clubs that can say they had like twenty four thousand in attendance in in League Two. No, and 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 like I say, even then we knew we were probably a few. We knew we were a few players off being a promotion team, but you could see that there was five or six in that team that was gonna kick on the year later or 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 two years later, if you like, and. And be a good side because everything was there. The chairman was there. We had the manager, we had the fans, we had the stadium, but we were we were four or five players short of really being a promotion team. I think you were set. You were sent on loan uh, back to Carlisle during that season. What was that? What was that like? Well, it, you know, I can go. I'll go on about this because that was obviously the biggest mistake I've ever made in my career. It, it, Possibly life, really. Um, I we played a game at South End, and we didn't train the day before because of the weather. And we drove down to South End, and the manager had dropped. I think he dropped Muzzy in goal for Alan Fettis. Alan Fettis had just been signed, and and we were quite disappointed. One or two of us, um, we were shocked, and we were quite disappointed. And we went into the game, and I was. I was one of about three or four that was quite poor, well, really poor. Um, and I was absolutely knackered. I had no energy. Um, it, it's no excuse, by the way. We didn't train the day before. I, I was lethargic. I had no energy. I had nothing. And I was really poor. So um, Pete took me off. I can't remember whether he took me off at half time or just after half time. I got a dead leg as well. And we lost the game. We got hammered off South End. And and I came in on Monday morning and he said to me, you're training with, you're training on your own. And I said, why? He said, your performance on Saturday, it was a performance that looked like it would get me the sack. And I said, well, I don't want that. You've just given me a long contract. Why would I want that? And he said, listen, I'm not bothered what you say. Your performance was that bad. You're training on your own. So me and I think I think Phil Jevons trained on our own, and 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 I said to him, which was probably a bit silly of me. I said, "Listen, I was really disappointed you you left out Muzzy, and I think you left out John Anderson or somebody else." He said that he said you 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 can't think like that. You know you've got to play for the team, and I have. I agree with him with that now looking back, but I was really disappointed he'd left some of my mates out. But anyway, I should have got on with it and played and whatnot. But he he, he kind of. He went overboard and, and blamed me for the result. 
and made me train on my own. So I was thinking, what on earth? What have I done? I, I've, I've had one bad, bad game in in a couple of months, if you like. But but looking back further, we'd gone back to Pete's old club when I really wanted to do well there because they treated him quite bad. So looking back, it was a big day for him. But I think he went overboard in terms of blaming the whole performance on me. So anyway, that escalated. I was training my, on my own for a couple of days. Um, and, and we got to the Friday and, and we were, I wasn't in the squad. I was training on my own and Colin Murphy come in and he said, right, you like, you've got the weekend off. So we were like, okay, fair. I wasn't in the squad as punishment for my performance the week before. And I thought he's not going to let this go, you know? So anyway, I had the weekend off. So I come home to Whitehaven, um, and, and I was just at home weekend off. I wasn't told we were, we had to go to the game or. Or anything, we, I just came home. I thought I'll have a weekend at home. So while I was at home, I kind of texted a friend of mine at Carlisle. I said, "Listen, can you get me a couple of tickets? I'm going to come and watch Carlisle tomorrow. I've got the weekend off." So when I got to the ground, they said, "Oh, you're in the director's box." I went, "What?" They were like, "Yeah, you're in the director's box." I said, oh, "All right, no worries. I'll go in the box." <laughs> so I sat in the director's box, and then all of a sudden. Word got back to Hull that Stuart Green's in the director's box getting a move to Carlisle. So I was like, no, I'm not getting a move to Carlisle. I've just signed a three and a half year contract. Brilliant contract. No, no, you know. So then I let it die down, got back to train on Monday and Peter Taylor said, you know, you're getting fined for being in at Carlisle. I said, well, nobody told me I had to be at the game. I haven't done anything wrong. So that escalated Pete kind of gone a bit further and then obviously Carlisle got wind of it and said listen we're going to come in for you and that's when I wish I was a bit older where I could have said hang on you're coming in for me but I love it here yes I've had a fallout with the manager but I love it here this is my club fans love me get on with the players I know you want me but I'm going to stay but I never I kind of thought well Peter Taylor's kind of being horrible if you like he's fined me he's left me out of the squad for one performance I want to go now at the time I remember my agent ringing he said what are you doing and I said no no I'm going to go I, I can't work for Peter Taylor he's made a scapegoat out of me I need to go um, I wanted I kind of needed an experienced pro in my dressing room like an ash to say Greeny come here you ain't going there you're at the best club at this level that's ever been but I, I kind of didn't. I felt like I was on my own and I just made one decision after the other. Adam Pearson around me, I said, Adam, I want to go. I obviously can't play for this manager. So I went and it was probably the worst decision I've made in my life. I think that perhaps reflected, reflected on your age at the time. Was you like 22, I think? Probably yeah, 20s. yeah so I was young. I was young, very, very naive. Um, but... I'll, I will 100% take the responsibility for it. But Pete's a really good friend of mine. And and if I if I ever chat with him again and this comes up, he's got to take some of the blame. <laughs> <laughs> because because you, can't, you, you can't blame me, just solely me, for that performance down at Southend. We were horrendous and I was one of them. But to make me train on my own on the Monday was ridiculous, really. Um, and and he won't admit it, but but I'm, I, I need to mention it to him next time I speak to him. <laughs>
Next season, you um, returned off the loan. We bring in the likes of Ben Burgess, Danny Alsop, Jason Price, etc. Um, did that like really signify to the rest of the players that now we've got the um, five or six players that we need, we're going to really kick on this season and get promotion? Absolutely. Peter Taylor, his recruitment at Hull was the best he's ever had. Best he has ever had in his career. Best the club. I would say one of the best the club has ever had since I've known the club. He signed Danny Alsop, Ben Burgess, Jason Price. Um, Damien Delaney was early. Boaz Myhill was slightly early. But that group of players were absolutely incredible. And that's one thing... Well, he didn't get a lot wrong, Pete, to be fair, but that was his biggest um, his biggest kind of achievement at Hull City's recruitment. Every one of them players took us to the next level. We, we had Gary Alexander, who Gary's a terrific lad, scored some great goals for Hull, but Gary was probably on his own. You know, Laurie Dudfield, they were too, Laurie Dudfield and Gary Alexander were big signings, but they probably weren't going to take us to the next level whereas Ben Burgess and Danny Alsop did. And that was all down to kind of Peter Taylor and Colin Murphy's recruitment. It was sensational. What was your connection like with um, the likes of Alsop and Burgess on the pitch? Because you was a sort of a player from what I've seen from a lot of footage and stuff was you made like late runs into the box scoring goals. Did you have like uh, connections with certain players on the pitch? Brilliant, yeah. Ben would hold it up. Um, his first touch was absolutely incredible and he'd play you in. Um, you know, he'd get on the end of a of a cross if you put it in um, he'd flick it on Danny Alsop was more of on the shoulder but Danny Alsop's movement for League 2 was absolutely incredible um, but they were great to play for because before they came and I, I'm not going to criticise anyone before they came it kind of kept coming back a little bit you know we'd, we'd put it up there to a target man it would come back too quickly the minute we signed Big Ben and Danny Alsop the back four had a break because they kept it for them. Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. They, they were sensational together. Um, and and probably should go down as, as kind of legends of Hull City, them two, really. The amount of goals they scored and the partnership they created in League Two was incredible. Yeah, I think some of the goals that you see them score on the footage is going quite unbelievable, obviously. Um, a lot of the, the fans now will point to the sort of Premier League era players, but to do what they did was um, obviously they've got both incredible records. They um, they had a good a good uh, partnership. They had good guidance from the likes of Colin Murphy and Peter Taylor. You didn't see many of them running down the channels because they kept them in the width of the eighteen yard box, which was really good management and coaching. Um, so they didn't do a lot of running in terms of outside the 18-yard box. Um, and they got so many goals for us. They were um, they were great lads as well. Devastated for Ben with his injuries when he'd done his knee and whatnot. But but what you've got to think of is, and, and we were lucky really with Hull because Adam and the club paid the wages. They were League One players coming down to League Two. Um, so we were lucky to have people like them. Yeah, what was your obviously return to Hull that season and perhaps some fans would have gotten you back and stuff. What was your connection like with supporters when you came back? I was really nervous, really, really nervous because I thought these fans loved me and now they'll hate me cause for, for going, if you like. 
but typical of the whole person and the East Yorkshire. <laughs> they kind of just thought, well, he plays for Hull City. I don't care what he's done. I'm getting behind him. And and he and from the first game, they were brilliant with me. Um, and I and you know I couldn't thank them enough really. But that was that's the typical East Yorkshire person really. They they they're incredible. If you if you play for their club, they'll back you to the hilt, and they did with me. That's always something that we've experienced. Like obviously me and Ben, you rarely see um, our fans in obviously in the ground getting getting a bit. Uh, on the players' backs and stuff, and obviously that's testament to our fans. And it's they don't. Great that you've got that connection with the supporters. They don't. And I remember, like when I played against them for Carlisle in that nil-nil draw, Boothby Park. They never really got on their backs then, and they were awful. Um, this the quality of the of played, if you like, and the quality of the team was awful, and they never really got on the backs then. I think if you if you work hard. Um, and and you show a, a love for Hull City, they'll back you all the way. We we, we knew that we knew the fans were with us. Um, we knew that that the playing for Hull every, it was everybody's cup final coming to our ground, and Pete's recruitment dealt with that. With the ones we had and the ones he brought in, he knew they would deal with the expectation. One of the games of the season was Swansea away. I think you scored in that game, and there was a bust up with Ashby and Joseph half time. Do you remember? Do you have any recollections of that? Yeah, I remember. I remember that well. Um, they went for each other. The thing with them two was them two were really close friends, so we knew this was just a bust up because of what I think it was something to do with picking up from a corner. Um, and Ashby and Mark Joseph went for each other, um, <laughs> and I remember Peter Taylor. He absolutely loved it at the time. <laughs> and, and and looking back now I can see why he loved it because he, he knew how much it meant to them two players great friends they were and then literally as soon as we went off for the second half they were best friends again and it's when I touched before people like Mark Joseph a lot of people won't mention Mark Joseph he was a bit of a leader he was a good guy he, he had your back he was a good, good player, good pro as well. And obviously, Ashby, everybody knows where he was. Um, it's people like that that got us over the line. But bust-ups in the dressing room, that was, I mean, I think there was tables. There was. It's a good job I didn't get involved because it absolutely battered me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but no, it was, it was pretty hectic in there. Then the um, crucial game that season was um, Yeovil. Obviously, he scored the opening goal in that game. What was going through your, your mind when you're stepping up to take um, that crucial penalty? I knew where I was going to put it and I thought if I just guide it in, if I guide it in with a bit of pace, the, the pitch was lively and I always knew what, that was my favourite side and as a penalty taker, I probably wasn't a penalty taker because to be a good penalty taker, you've got to be able to go both sides and I struggled to go the other side. So I always knew I was going to put it there Um and I hit it. I hit it really well, and and obviously, that was a huge, huge game. Yeovil were a very good side, um, and then Ash put put the second one in with, the, with one of the best goals, well, probably one of the best goals he's ever scored. Um, but it was fitting really that he he scored that 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 goal because of the effort and and the 
and and the love he had for the club, he probably deserved that more than anyone. What were the post-match celebrations like after that? They were pretty mental. I think we, um, yeah, they were mental in the dressing room, and then we got the the coach back to Hull, and I think we I think we got back a decent time in Hull because bear in mind Yorville's like south of France; it's that far away. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we got back decent time and went out in Hull, you know, in our tracksuits, if you like. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was such a special weekend that weekend, um, but we deserved it. We worked hard. We had the quality in the dressing room. We had a brilliant manager, an incredible chairman, incredible fans. So we deserved it. What was it? What was it like um, doing the bus parade around the city after the Bristol Rovers home game that season? Did that sort of like bring it home even more that you've got these thousands of people that potentially can't even fit in the KC Stadium in there? Like aware of what a big club this could become if because we're getting the things right on the pitch. I, I remember going through the town, if you like, on the bus and seeing that many people and they were so happy and so relieved that finally their club had got a little bit of success. And they were, and, you know, we were thank me personally, I was thankful of them, that we were thankful of them, but they were so thankful of us for what we'd done for their city. They're just really special people. The transfer window 2004, we built on that with Sand of Barnby. Um, was this sort of build the belief that, you know, back-to-back promotions was possible with the squad? We, we weren't talking about back-to-back promotions. To be honest with you, we came back for pre-season and had a real, real good pre-season as a group. Nicky came in and we thought, well, Nicky's going to add had something a little bit different for us, somebody who can play in the hall. Um, and and I can't remember who else Pete brought in that year. Um, but but we, we weren't really talking about promotion. We were really fit. We were really hungry. And obviously we won our first game. And then we went to Torquay, won our second game. And we still weren't talking about promotion. We were just thinking, let's just win the next game. It was only... It was only after maybe two or three months we started thinking, hang on, we could go up here. Um, but League One was probably, I know I got injured at the end, was probably my favourite year because it was, that was where I felt as a, personally I was at my best. Yeah, it was your, it was your highest um, scoring season as well. So that just reflects that as well. Well, I, I said to myself in the summer after League Two, I wasn't happy with how I played in League Two. Don't get me wrong, I, I did all right and I scored goals and I played probably about 40 games. But I wasn't happy because I couldn't get forward enough. League two was and probably still is an absolute grind. You've got to be more like a machine to get through mm-hmm. League two because there's times where you don't even kick the ball. Some of the teams were so rough and, and it just wasn't me. I hated it, to be honest. And I said to myself, going into League one, I said to myself, in summer, I'm going to get myself fitter. And I'm going to run. And the minute our full-backs get the ball, I'm just going to run past our target man. And I'm going to... Nicky Barnby will be there to play me in. And I'm just going to be a proper running midfielder. So that's what I've done. I got myself really lean and fit. And I was just a runner. I was just a box-to-box runner. And that's probably how I got my goals. Obviously, that was one of your biggest attributes. Is there any player from current or previous times that sort of reminded you yourself or you modelled your game off? 
Um, I used to look at Kieran Dyer um, when he was at Newcastle and, and don't get me wrong, Kieran Dyer was a great player, but he never stopped running and he never stopped running past the front two. And I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna run past the front two. And if I don't get it, that's fine. I'll go again and I'll go again. And a lot of the times I would get it. Um and and I got myself really fit and Pete kinda swayed between playing me on the right. If I was on the right, I would drift in and kinda link up with Nicky. It was my natural job to lift to to come in because I wasn't a winger. I just wanted to yeah. come inside. But then he'd play me in a two with, with Ashby, which was Unbelievable because he would do everything for me. Um, Want to kill me because he was knackered because he was doing everything for me. But <laughs> but I knew when I ran, he was there, and he could probably have two of them for himself. You know, um, so I was lucky. I had good players around me. One of the greatest games of that season, and you know, one that sticks in the sports memories is when we took uh, eight thousand to Sheffield Wednesday. What was that night like? I was on the bench. That was when Nicky Barnby scored the volley from Francis Flickon, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I was on the bench. That was incredible. Our because Sheffield Wednesday is obviously a huge club, and when we went there, their fans were loud, and our fans were behind that goal. And I remember being on the bench, and I was devastated. I was on the bench, but I, but I wasn't as good away from home as I was at home. And Pete left me out a lot, but the boys were absolutely sensational, and the atmosphere. And I think that was when we thought. I know we're the right team now, and Nicky was outstanding. What What was um Nicky like as a person? Was he like um encourage a lot of the players that had come from League Two to sort of raise their level? Up? Or lovely, lovely lad, um, excellent for me because obviously I played in a little bit of a deeper position to him, and and he kind of knew what was good about my game and helping me. Um, he came in and he was just one of us from day one. He he didn't come in and tell us how good he was or what he had or where he'd been or whatnot. He was just one of us. He really bought into what we were doing, loved the club. Um, real, real cracking lad. I think um, people, obviously he was a quality player, wasn't Nick, and played at the highest level. And sometimes people accuse them of being sort of a closed book. Did you ever feel that with Nick? Did he just like like to go on with his job and then sort of like go home to his family and stuff or he was a he, he was a family man. He didn't he didn't he, he didn't drive the flash cars. He didn't he, he didn't tell anyone who he was, what he was. He didn't go out a lot if you like. He just came to work every day in training, incredible professional, went home to his family and honestly, just a real, real smashing lad. I'm actually, I sit here now and I'm really, really disappointed he's not in somewhere in football because he's got so much to offer, even at, at, at our club hall. You know, he's on the doorstep. He should be there just doing some, just give him a job, anything. Just get him in there and use his expertise and knowledge, you know. Crack it, lad. Yeah. Credible knowledge. Loves the club. But I could go on all night. What was the mood like after that second successive promotion? Were the, were the players starting to believe that um, what happened a few years later with the likes of the 2008 playoff winning squad, were the players starting to believe that that, that could happen? Well, we when we got promoted out of League One, um, 
it was kind of serious then because we we knew we were going into the championship where there was huge, huge money, huge clubs. And I think we were a little bit fearful, to be honest with you. Um, Pete's recruitment going into the championship wasn't great. Um, we kind of stood still a little bit. We were we we weren't playing well. We I don't think as a group believed for the first six months that we belonged at that level. We we, um, we couldn't get performances. We couldn't get results. And then it kind of clicked towards the end that maybe we could do quite well at this level. Um, so it was a tough first year in the championship, but a real good learning one. Could you um, instantly tell the um, difference in quality in that first game against um, QPR, who had like a team full of established players at that level? Not so much QPR because QPR were they weren't they weren't a brilliant side. It was a bit of a scrappy game, and it was a typical open opener to the season where teams didn't want to lose. Mm. We didn't want to lose. They didn't want to lose. It was a pretty rubbish game. I think the more games went on, we realised that we're not going to, if we give the ball away, we're not going to get it back because there were some teams who kept the ball really, really well um, and physically were quite strong. So we realised, you know, I think we went to Wolves away and they kept the ball so well and we realised that we are going to have to get better on the ball otherwise we're not going to see it. And it took us a long time to, to get that belief. I think there was two players from who Peter Taylor signed in that season that probably hold the heads high and I could say that they had a sort of a successful season. I think Craig Fagan joined from Colchester and then... Um, John Parkin. Yeah, John Parkin. Them two again, big, big Parky. Big Parky was absolutely brilliant. Craig Fagan took us to the next level again, but he signed in League One. Craig, Craig gave us something different. We didn't have blistering pace in behind um, and we didn't have a real nuisance with quality and he was that. He was absolutely sensational, back end of League One. But but we, yeah, like I say, there wasn't many pluses out of the, apart from Boaz Mile, if you like, um, out of the championship year. I think as the season got along, the belief in us grew that we could actually, we could actually do well and and compete with some of the teams in there, um, but we were. But you've you've got to understand a lot of us were League Two players two years earlier, mm. and we're we're up against Leeds with multi million um, budgets, and and we were a little bit out of our depth at times um, in some games. But we learned quickly that if we give the ball away, we're not going to get it back. John Welsh and Stephen McPhee came in on big money as well, didn't they, that season? Yeah, little Welshy, little Welshy, great lad. He um, he came in and he was quite similar to what we already had. Um, Stephen McPhee come in and obviously struggled with his injuries. Um, Stephen McPhee was a little bit like Craig Fagan, if you like. Real good player, McPhee. I played against him when I was a youth team player at Newcastle. Absolute handful on his day, Stephen McPhee, but got unlucky with with his injuries. Um, so it was pretty much a lot of it was our League One side, and of course, Ashby got injured. Now losing Ashby was 
enormous. I know Keith Andrews come in and done really well, but losing Ashby was enormous for us. Was there any banner that you could uh, recollect that went on in the dressing rooms? Well, during my time? Yeah, during your time, was there any banner oh, that you used to play about? There was loads, and, and, and that's what that's what you miss more than anything, the, the banter with the lads and the jokers, if you like, in the dressing room. There was loads, really, and, and Danny Coles was a bit of a was a was a bit of a joker. McPhee liked to laugh. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think who was Junior Lewis was funny. You know, Junior <laughs> Lewis. Junior Lewis used to take some stick, and and Junior probably won't mind me saying this. At, at times, he was hopeless with the ball at his feet, but but he would still go and get the ball. He would he would still if he made a mistake, he would still go and get it. He would, but Junior was a good joker. Junior was a good laugh in the dressing room to have. But there were so many, you know, there was a couple of quiet ones, but there were so many of us liked to laugh. Obviously, obviously your first um, championship goal came against um, Derby County that season. Was that one of your um, career highlights, knowing that um, you sort of underway in this league, or was it hard to um, adapt your game to that level? Obviously, you've touched on bit, uh, two years before you are still in the bottom division. Yeah, for, for me, I got injured. I ruptured my ankle in League One. In January, so that kind of, I I still felt that going into the championship season, so I wasn't fit. Um, my uncle was giving me a lot of grief, and around that time I wasn't fit, um, and I came. I think I came off the bench to score that goal. I was only fit kind of the the second half of the season. I got myself in shape and and back to playing some decent football um, towards the end. Yeah, I think a lot of your goals did come towards the end of the season, didn't they? And mm-hmm. um, I think that just goes to show that um, injuries can have a massive impact on performance levels. And, and obviously, once you get a sustained quite a big injury, it's quite hard to come back from that. And well, you've shown that yourself that injuries can have a big impact. Well, on my right foot, which was obviously my kicking foot, my my ligaments had came away from the bone. So when when um, when I, I I got operated on the doctor told me, he said, listen, they've already started to heal, so I haven't done anything. But even when they heal, you've got the scar tissue. So I couldn't I couldn't strike the ball like I did before the injury. And it took me it, it took me probably twelve months to get really back to striking the ball. If it was my left foot, I would have been alright. Because it was my right foot, I just couldn't get myself right. And then I was out of the team. Uh, Pete went with Curtis Woodhouse, Keith Andrews, maybe Little Francie and maybe Stuart Elliott. So he went kind of defensive, if you like, to kind of get results, kind of nick results defensively, which was absolutely fine. But I was a detriment to that um, because obviously I was attack-minded. And he he, he went in the championship a lot of the time. He went for kind of one-nils or nil-nils to just get points on the board. And I understood that, you know. You have touched on it that your game was more, you know, arriving late in the box, you know, attacking, winning at players rather than, you know, tracking back. And I think, you know, you've touched on it there that Pete sort of, sort of realised that. And, um, you know, you you said that League One was your yeah, best uh, level. Would you say the 2004-5 season was the best of your career? Yeah, definitely. Le- League One suited my game. Yeah. Um, League One suited my game. Championship... You've got to defend better, or if you don't defend, you've got to score more and create more. 
and I didn't do that enough in the championship. Um, I did it at the end, and then obviously uh, Phil Parkinson came in. But so the last few months I did, but League One was probably my best first half of the season I, I had in terms of fitness and quality. You touched on it before um, in terms of the um, financial comparison with them. Um likes of Leeds etc what was it like playing in the Yorkshire derbies when we got back into the championships it was the first time we'd, put, we'd come up against like some of the big teams in the region the likes of Leeds and Sheffield United for quite some time so were they some of the best games you've played in for City? Absolutely Sheffield United away will stick with me forever Leeds at home will stick with me forever that was that was the time where we really started to believe in ourselves um, and we really thought we could do something um, and and not just stay up the year after push on again and towards mid-table, if you like. Um, the Leeds at home was an incredible day. Probably probably one of the best moments of my, my time there, really, beating Leeds at home. I think there was about 25,000 outside the stadium, never mind in. Um, so that, and, and Sheffield United away, them Yorkshire derbies, we were we were part of that really. Hull were Hull were on the map then. Teams like Sheffield United and Leeds knew that that Hull were on the map then. You know. What What was it like um, when um, John Parkin scored the winner against Leeds? What are your memories of that particular incident? Well, I I, I remember I remember the I the ball was out wide and I had to bring it down and and I remember Parkin would be at the back post, so I had to stand it up. Um, so I, I knew I had to get quite a lot of air on it, and his leap was incredible. Mm. But but a lot of the time in the championship, we nicked points and got over the line. We were the better team that day. Um, Leeds obviously had a huge, huge squad, and and we were kind of just young lads who had been in League League Two, been in League One, were probably on a quarter of wages that Leeds were on, if you like. And we, we we were better than them. It was a great feeling going in after the game against Leeds. Season ended um, with us finishing 18th and then you departed the club to Crystal Palace. Was How big of an influence was Peter Taylor in your um, move to Crystal Palace? Well, he was, obviously. Um, obviously, I wouldn't have went to Crystal Palace. He, he kind of knew what. What, what I would bring, if you like. And he realised that, that it was cheap because Hull, um, Hull wanted rid of me. Um, I didn't know where I was going to go. I was, To be honest with you, I was devastated. I, I just got myself right, just got myself fit. Pete left to go to Palace and I thought, that's all right. New manager will come in and I'm fit and I'm ready to, to do what I'd done at the end of the season and do what I'd done in League One. But obviously, before Phil Parkinson came in, Adam had made his mind up that four or five of us were gone. We were finished, no matter who the manager was. So Adam had made his mind up before Phil Parkinson came in. And I was devastated, really, because, like I say, all the reasons before. Um, but it took a while for the Crystal Palace move to happen. And I was kind of there at Hull, fit, ready to play. And Parky just wouldn't pick me. Um I was just watching every single game from the stand, going home, um, waking up, going to training. I don't think I was even playing for the reserves. 
it was mental. I just wasn't doing anything, but I was fit. I was as fit as a fiddle. I kept myself right, but he just wouldn't pick me. He wouldn't play me. Was what was it like under Parkinson? Was there just suddenly a change in, you know, was you straight out of the team as, as soon as he came in? Well, I think Adam had said, Stuart Green's gone, Keith Andrews, he's gone, no matter who ma- manager comes in, he's gone. I yeah. kind of wanted Phil Parkinson to turn around and say, well, let me have a look at them first. But he wasn't a big enough character and a big enough name, if you like, to say, no, well, let me judge these players. Um myself so my relationship with, with him was straightforward he wanted me out pretty straight away um and i was i was obviously picky where i went i had options but i wasn't going to leave whole city for for a, a dead club if you like i wanted to i was still 26 27 something like that so phil parkinson wasn't going to tell me where i was going to go um and it was pretty much like that. I didn't really have much to do with him. He got a little bit desperate to try and get me out towards the end. Um, and I got the move probably which I wanted um, and Hull wanted me out. So it, it worked for everyone really, but I didn't want to go. I was devastated. Did you feel a bit disheartened that that was the way it ended for you? Obviously the um, service that you'd put in for the club over the four-year period. Absolutely, and and the disappointing thing for me was, you want to, you want to let the manager see you play, or let the manager decide through your performances. You don't want a manager to come in and say, "I don't want you" before he's even seen you play, or he, or "I don't want you" um, off somebody else's accordance, if you like, because Adam had said he didn't want me. You don't want that. You want to prove yourself first. Um, but I didn't get that chance with with Phil. Um, and to be honest with you, um, I thought when I watched the games of his early part of that season, I kind of thought he was missing somebody, maybe with a little bit of legs in midfield, if you like. So it was it was it was disappointing going home, and you know we were losing so many games, and and I'm sat doing nothing. It was I just thought I want a chance before I go. I want a chance. So I'm devastated our left hold because um, I still think I had a little bit to offer. You moved on to Palace. And what's, what was that like? Did you get a good reception from the supporters? Yeah, I, I went to Palace and obviously the squad was massive and the squad was probably better than the one at Hull. Um, I had massive competition for my players um, in the team. Palace had just been relegated, so the quality of player there was was exceptional and I had to bide my time to get into the team which I knew I would you know I was either going to go to Blackpool and play or Crystal Palace and kind of be a squad player now I obviously chose Crystal Palace because it was higher up and and I wanted to test myself at that level Um, but I had to bide my time and wait for my time for my opportunity and my opportunity didn't come for a couple of months and, and then my debut I scored on my debut against Cardiff, which was which was a good day for me personally, really. But when you've been through where a club don't want you, like Hull, which was really, really hard to take, and a manager come in and, and didn't want anything to do with you, when you go somewhere else and you score on your debut, it's always quite nice, you know. Was it hard moving down south? I think it was the first time you'd sort of moved away from the northern area. Was 
you know, sometimes players find it tough to re- relocate, you know, far away. And did that ever impact you? I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it to begin with. Um, quite enjoyed London, actually. I was living in a hotel and I was never in the hotel, to be honest with you. Um, it was it was brilliant, to be, to be fair. Um, but as time got on, you know, I remember playing Stoke City for um, for Crystal Palace and Rory Delap, who's a who's a Carlisle lad. He said to me, "What are you doing down here?" And I said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and he said, "Us Northerners don't come down here." And I started laughing. And he is he is right. If you're a Northerner, you're a Northerner. And mm. I um I did want to move back up north, but I can't say I didn't enjoy London and I didn't enjoy Crystal Palace. It's a total different club to Hull. It's a big, big, big club. Um, the love for the fans at Hull is a lot, lot better. The fans are a little bit more brutal down there. Um, so, yeah, listen, Hull was my club and, and always will be my club. And I missed it massively. Um, but I did enjoy times at Palace, yeah. I think it's great to hear that. Have you ever been back since you've left Hull? Yeah, I go, I, I've been back a couple of times. Um to a couple of games, um, which I found myself, you know, not getting a bit upset, but as I drive into the ground, it's like it brings it all back. Um, it's just such a special place. You know, some of the people, one or two of the people still work there um, who who were there when I was there. Um, it, it's not the club it was when I was there, but it's still... It's still a, a magnificent place, and I was only, I was only saying to Brendan the other day, um, I wish I didn't sell my house there. You know, I, I lived, lived in between Hull and York, and I wish I'd kept my house as somewhere to go to, if you like, because I loved the area that much. You know, hmm. yeah. Hope to see you again next season. <laughs> I'd love to come. I'm, I'm listen. I, they've done ever so well, and and um, and delighted with what they've done this year. At, It'll be tough for them next year if if they've got to get the recruitment right. But I love coming down. I love being invited down. I, I don't say no when I come down. Right, we've got a handful of questions here. The first one is from Pete Joss, and he says, "What dirt did Junior Lewis have on Peter Taylor?" I know. <laughs> I just, you know, it was funny because. He signed. He took him to Leicester, and obviously Leicester was a huge club. And he brought him to Hull, and a lot of us, a lot of us thought that. But Pete kind of explained it, and I understood when he explained it. The thing with Junior was, Junior was obviously not great at times, but Pete wanted someone that would always go and get the ball, no matter how we were playing. They weren't scared of making a mistake. Now, when you're playing, if you're not having a good game, you think, "Oh, I don't, I don't know whether I want to go and get that ball." Junior, he he almost like he was almost like deaf. He couldn't hear the fans. If he was having a bad game, or if he made a mistake, it didn't bother him. He would go and make the same mistake, and then he would make the same mistake again. And at full time, if the fans had had a go at him, he wasn't bothered. Mm. So Pete signed him because he wanted somebody who could, no matter how they're doing always go and get the ball and that's why he signed him listen I love Junior the bits to play with he was quite good to play with but as a player he, he, 
<laughs> it was laughable at times, you know, but I love him to bits. Uh, second one is from Tiger Base, and he said, what was the best goal you scored for us and the best goal that uh, was scored by another City player during your time at the club? Best goal I scored, I scored a goal in League Two at Torquay. Um, early on in my really early on in my whole career, was that, was that Peter Taylor's first game? It was, wasn't it? Possibly his first away game. We beat them. Ashby scored an absolute worldie in the top corner, and then second half, I broke from the halfway line, played a one-two with Gary Alexander, went through with the keeper and slotted it past him. That was one of my best ones. Um, that was probably my favourite. Um, MK Dons, I scored a volley. Um, Leicester away, probably Torquay, Torquay away. I, I loved that goal. That was that was me, a midfield runner, a little bit of link up, running beyond and scoring from there. Best goal I've seen for us. I probably have to go. I probably have to go with Ashby at Yeovil. Mm. You know, he's bent. He's he set it out. He set it out. It was probably a yard, going a yard wide, and he's bent it. And said he are right in the top corner, but but the size of the game, as well as that, yeah, it's it's probably got to be that one. Next question is from Jordan Garnet, who says your best moment at the club and your thoughts on the squad at the at the current day. My best moment at the club was either Leeds at home, uh, where we beat them one 0 to cement our championship status, or. More sentimental, the, the Hartlepool at home first game at, at KC because my mum was there and, and my mum was such a special person. She was my best friend and she was there. And, and I remember I scored the goal and I remember I seen her in the crowd. I mean, there was like thousands there, but I spotted her in the crowd and she was kind of upset. So that a night, special moment. yeah, yeah, that sticks with me and it will stick with me forever. And I'll, I tell my kids about that about that. Um, so Hartlepool at home, first game, KC Stadium, that was the one. The The current squad now, I'm, I must admit, there's some real, real talented boys in there. And mm. and and this time last year, I, you know, I'll admit, I was sat at home thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing? We've just been absolutely hammered at Wigan. Where, yeah. where are we going with this? We're going to go yeah. to League One. If we're not careful in League One, four teams go down. What what are we doing? But what Grant McCann's done is an incredible job. He's turned it round from last year, the disappointment of last year. He's assembled a terrific squad, young, energetic, and I can't praise the players and, and the manager enough for what they've done this year. It's a huge league, League One now. There's monster clubs in League One, and we've just won it. It's an incredible achievement. I just hope, I just hope, because when you win a league, everybody wants your best players. You don't win a league and go up and nobody wants your players. So I just hope we can keep our our young, good players. But it's it'll be recruitment. The recruitment now will determine how what we do in the championship next year. And if we don't recruit right... We'll be, we'll be, we'll be close to coming back down if we recruit. Right, we'll be great. It's about the England, England. Obviously, the Euros. Uh, I think we would ask a lot of people this: um, Do you fancy us in this tournament? Well, I did till about four hours ago when I when I realised when I realised 
who who is who is kind of left out and who who is put in. I, I'm a little bit kind of old fashioned where if somebody's doing so well like Jesse Lingard, he's done so well. He's playing with such a freedom. So you take people like that because they're in that moment. You yeah. don't take you don't take a squad full of fullbacks and you don't, you know, I would have I listen, I can't tell Gallus Southgate what to do. But somebody like Jesse Lingard, somebody like that kid Ward Prowse at Southampton, who's got an incredible delivery, we might need a goal from a set piece, and somebody like Ward Prowse would deliver that. Um, so I'm a bit disappointed with with the squad, but you know we do. We've got if we can keep if we can keep Harry Kane fit, you'd like to think we can go quite far. Yeah, I agree. I to me, it feels like he's. I won't. I won't talk a lot. I think I'll just say one thing. But to me, it feels like he's brought in Trent to save the backlash. I'm not saying Trent's a poor player. He's a, he's a quality player on his day. But considering the season he's had, I think we've got you know three right backs in that position already. We don't we don't necessarily need him. But you know, Gareth's made that decision. Now it's you know. Well, he's he's he's, he's he's taken Grealish, which is great because I love that kid, but. And he's probably thinking if I play Grealish, I can't play Lingard with him together. But you've just got to play them both. You've just got to. We've went through this where we've been stable in competitions and whatnot. I think you've just got to go for it, you know. And I'm, Sterling hasn't been playing well, but I'm delighted he's took him because he'll get you a goal. I'm just like I say, I'm a little bit disappointed. There's a few players who are who are on top form who haven't gone. You, you know, it's a little bit on reputation and. And I'm not one for for that. I'm on for you know. If you're in for me, go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's pretty much it for this week's podcast. Um, obviously, it's a pleasure to have um Stuart on. Looking back at some great moments at his time with um City. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for having me, boys. I've had a great evening. Um, you know, I love talking about my old times at the club and it's great to see how they're doing now um, and yeah thank you for having me just before we go I just want to say thanks to uh, Brendan Smirkwick for sorting this out he's a top man and uh, cheers for Stuart for coming on he's, he's told us some brilliant stories and I hope the listeners enjoy um, what he's had to say because it's been a great episode thank you cheers right. Stuart mate thank, thank you, you. bye bye